Take your Bibles and turn with me tonight to Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. I might turn this up just a little bit, fellas. Revelation chapter 12. We've been in a series that we've titled the series, It's Coming. And when we talk about that, we're talking about many things that's going to be, that's coming uh, concerning prophecy. The coming of the Lord to catch the church out, we call it the rapture. Uh, to catch those who have received Jesus Christ as Savior to catch us out of here. There's several things that will happen in that period of time. Uh, we talked about the Ezekiel 38-39 war that will probably happen very possibly before the rapture, but it could happen after the rapture. But then you have the, uh, the signing of the seven-year covenant with Israel as they sign the peace covenant. Uh, with uh, the Antichrist, and he begins to move into the scene, and, and, and of course the signing of that covenant it begins the tribulation period, the seven-year tribulation period. A lot of people think that the tribulation period begins with the rapture of the church, but that's not what begins the uh, tribulation. The signing of the, of the seven-year covenant is what begins that tribulation period. We've dealt with the, the, uh, the, the, the different uh, plagues that was uh, brought forth by the trumpets and the seals. And uh, now we're kind of up, we dealt with the one world government and different things of that nature. Now we're up to the three and a half year mark, which goes into the, what we call the great tribulation. When God does a, a, great, uh, uh, a greater amount of his wrath is poured out. A lot of people have tried to say that the first, seven, or the first three and a half years is not that bad. My friend, it is terrible. But in the last three and a half years, it just builds and gets worse. And as you begin to go through the tribulation period in that first three and a half years, those things are mounting and they're still feeling the, the pain of all that and all the, the chaos from going on as the Antichrist goes into war. And uh, we're going to pick up here in chapter 12. We're at, that, at, the, at the mid part of the tribulation period. And when we see this here, and it begins giving us a little bit of historical information, but then it goes on and deals with what's taking place there at mid-trib. In chapter 12, if you would please stand for the reading of God's Word, if you're able to tonight. We're going to read the, there's 17 verses there. We will read all of them and go back and look at them. It says, And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she being with child cried, travailing in birth, and pain to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads, and his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven. You say, preacher, what's the stars? That is actually when you see stars mentioned there, it's speaking of angels, okay, speaking of the angel beings there. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness, and where she hath a place prepared of God, that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. And that is three and a half years. Okay, this is the last three and a half years that it's talking about. And there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. 
And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they, came, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness into her place, where she is nourished for a time and times and a half a time, three and a half years. From the face of the serpent, and the serpent cast out his mouth, water as a flood. And that's generally dealing with a, when you speak of the flood there, it's generally speaking of an army. After the woman that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman. And the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed which kept the commandments of God and had the testimony of Jesus Christ. We find here a battle that is coming. A lot of people never stop and, and think about this war that is going to take place. Like to preach a message I've titled, The Coming War in Heaven. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for loving us. Thank you for the mercy that you have shown unto us. Now, Lord, I pray that you give me wisdom. Help us to have understanding of the Word of God. Open our hearts and minds unto the things of God. Lord, may we walk with you. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen us to be that witness and testimony in our day and time that we might lift up Jesus Christ, that people might see him in us, and they might receive Christ as their Savior before it's eternally too late. Lord, we thank you for salvation through your Son. Thank you now, Lord. Bless the preaching of that word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated. There's a war that will happen in, in the heavens. The war will take place in, in and around about the time of the three and a half year, the middle of the tribulation period, as it's coming down to, to, to the end of that first three and a half years of the tribulation. It'll be the, around that time of the sixth trumpet being blown. It will begin at that point. The seventh trumpet leads into the, the bowls that will pour out the wrath of God. And it's happening around that time. At the same time, as this war takes place in the heavens, the atmospheric heavens, uh, you will have a war going on in the, on earth. And that will be as the Antichrist and his armies go up against the ten kings. As we have already talked about, there will be three of those kings that will be uh, destroyed by the Antichrist. But the Antichrist himself will be killed in that battle. But... Satan will resurrect him, and people will begin to flock to him. But at the same time, these two battles roughly are going on at the same time. And so we see that Satan then, as he raises him up, the Antichrist will step into that world power, and, and the other seven kings will give their, their authority over to him, and he will rule the world at that time. Well, 
It has widespreading ramifications when you see this war that's taking place in heaven, but especially in earth what's going to take place. A lot of things are going to happen because of this battle that's going to be fought in the heavens. Uh, in Revelation chapter 12 there in verses 1 through 5, let me just run through the first part of it here. You have a historical summary from uh, the birth of Jesus unto his ascension into heaven. We read that. And it's talking about that there, the great wonder in heaven in the verse 1 and 2 is the birth of Jesus coming from the nation of Israel. Notice there it says, A woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. That's speaking of the twelve tribes of Israel. Jesus Christ coming out of the tribe of Judah. And, but that is, the, that, is the, that is the wonder that's talking about there, the birth of Jesus Christ. And so it's referring to Israel. The second wonder in the heaven that you see there in verses 3 and 4 speaks of Satan and a third part of the angels that were cast out from heaven when they rebelled against God, when Satan tried to exalt himself above God. It was not only Satan that was cast out, but he took with him a third of the angels. Okay? The third of those angels followed him. Apparently they were in, I guess you could say, cahoots or, and trying to exalt him and, and, and trying to make him as God also because they were angelic beings. And so because of that, those that he was over, that third part of the angels, were cast out of heaven with Lucifer, with Satan. And now he's taken them, and it's speaking of them there in verses 3 and 4. And in verse 5, you see, it speaks of the ascension into heaven that Jesus Christ, after he was crucified, how he ascended into heaven, but he's coming back to reign one day. Okay? Verse 6, we'll get to that in a minute. I want to jump down to verse 7. Okay? Verse 7 begins, it talks about a war breaks out in heaven. Verse 7 says, And there was a war in heaven. A lot of people say, well, is that actually right in heaven? I believe it's in the heavenly atmosphere, just outside of heaven, which is the heavens, an atmospheric heaven, you might say. It is a dwelling place right now that Satan can go back and forth, and some of the, uh, those with him may be able to go back and forth in that atmospheric uh, heaven. We'll talk a little bit about that in a minute, but the fact is, is that there's a battle that takes place there. And this battle is going gonna, is gonna to rage and, gonna, and we find here it says, And Michael and his angels, Michael also has a group of angels. You have you had the, the archangels, which was Gabriel, Michael, and Lucifer. And the, a third of those angels and, and Satan were kicked out. You still have Michael and Gabriel and the angels with them. And so you have here Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, they come together. You have this war between uh, the Michael and Satan, but also the angels here. And prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. Verse 9 says, And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called de the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Well, this war, there will be that war that breaks out in the atmospheric heavens, as we said, between Michael and the archangel and the angels of, of Satan. As they begin to battle there, Satan and his angels will be defeated and they'll be cast into the earth. Okay, they'll be cast into the earth and they can do no, no longer dwell in that atmospheric heaven. Right now, even at this very moment, and I'll, I'll get to the scripture here for you to, to show you. Right now, Satan can come before God. 
He can come before the throne of God. But when this battle happens, when this war happens, he can no longer come in to heaven. He is cast into the earth. He's cast to the earth. He'll no longer, he, he will no longer, he has freedom right now to go into the presence of God, go into heaven. He has, we have this dwelling around us, about us, the heavens. There's more than one. We're not going to get into that. But there's more than one uh, uh, that can be considered heavens that he and his angels dwell within. Okay? And so we have this battle. Some of those angels actually are uh, held in the Euphrates River. And they will be set free and brought, brought out uh, in the first plagues that are, are sent on onto the earth. But we find here that there's a battle, and because of this battle, that he can no longer uh, go into the presence of God. But he is confined to this place called earth for a little while. Before this battle, Satan had that, as I said, that ability to come into the heaven and go to, to where he wanted to. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, there it says, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom uh, of our God and the power of his Christ. Now notice what it says here. For the accuser, that's Satan, of our brethren is cast down, which accused, now notice what it says, which accused them before our God day and night. So Satan at this very time can go into the presence of God and he can accuse the brethren. Who's the brethren? The brethren are, are those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. The brethren that's speaking of here are the Jews who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And so he goes and accuses. Well, what, what's, he, what's he saying about it? He, he, he might go in and he might say, uh, did, you see what that, did you see what that Ronnie Gibson did today? I think you need to kill him. He's a dirty, rotten skunk. I mean, you can't put up with sin, can you? God says, no, I don't put up with sin. He said, well, you got to kill him. And generally, the response is, Jesus says, it's under the blood. It's under the blood. Father, it's under the blood. You know, so very talks about how that they defeat him by the blood. Overcame him by the blood. My friend, I want you to understand something. Even right now, Satan would try to get God to destroy you and me. He is the accuser. He goes before God, trying to accuse and get God to, to uh, turn his hand against you and I. Before the, that battle, or he was, he's doing that. And, and even right now, remember how he came before the Lord in, in Job? The book of Job, he came before the Lord. The Bible talks about it. It was a, uh, that time when the, they came and presented themselves before the Lord. I'm not going to go back and read it for you, but he, he began, God and him got into a conference about Job. And God said, have you considered my servant Job? How he escheweth evil and feareth God and, and he's, up, he's an upright man and, and all. And, and Satan begins to say, well, if you'll let, you let me do this and this, he said, he'll curse you to your face. And the battle went on there and forth. But each time he would come back into the presence of God. And he would try to use another tactic to, let, to get God to let him kill him. Why? Because he was a righteous man and he hated him. And so he is an accuser. He came before God there. At this point, Satan will no longer have access to heaven or stand before the Lord, the God of throne, God's throne, and be the accuser of the brethren anymore after this battle. This is not the first time, by the way, that Michael, the archangel, 
has had to deal with Satan. This is not the first time that he'll deal with him. He's dealt with him before. In Jude chapter 1 verse 9 says, Yet Michael the archangel, which con when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. So Michael the archangel had a confrontation with, with Satan over the body of Moses. I would assume that Satan was after the body of Moses. And they contended over that. And Michael just looked at him and said, The Lord rebuke thee. And that's all it took. And he, was, he did not win that battle. It's not the only time either. In fact, you find that uh, Satan uh, uh, tr tried to withstand the message of God coming to Daniel. Uh, when, when Daniel, the, he was trying to figure out what the Lord was talking about and had a, God had a message for him. And the angel then was coming to bring a message to Daniel, was confronted by Satan to stop him. Well, Michael also came and dealt with that situation with Satan. In Daniel chapter 10 Verse 10 says, And behold, a hand touched me, and set, this is Daniel talking, said, And behold, a hand touched me, which set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands. It's an angel. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright. For unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto him, I stood trembling. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that, that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. Verse 13 says, But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me. Who is it? That's Satan. One in twenty days, twenty-one days, he stopped this angel from bringing the message from God. This was a, is not an archangel. It's a, one of the stars, you might say. It's an angel, angelic being that came. He's a messenger of God. There's different types of angels. This is a messenger of God. He has come to Daniel to deliver a message. He says, but lo, Michael. Who's Michael? The archangel. Notice what he says. One of the chief princes came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. So we find that at least two or three times here that, that uh, Michael has had to come and do battle and put, you might say, not really do battle, but put Satan in his place so that the work of God could go on, so that the hand of God was moved through. We find in Daniel chapter 10 verse 21 says, But I will show thee that which is noted in the scripture of truth, and there is none that, that holdeth with me in these things, but Michael your prince. Calls Michael a prince, okay? He is a leader here. And we go on down into Daniel chapter 12 and verse 1 says, And at that time shall Michael stand up the great prince, which standeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble. It's talking about this tribulation period that we're talking about right now. The Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. Uh, the prince which stands up for the, people, uh, the children of thy people. Notice he said of thy people. Who's that? The Jews. Okay. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation. Even to that same time, 
And at that time thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. Those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So there's coming a time when Michael will step back on the scene after this war to protect the brethren, to protect the Jew, to protect those who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior. It appears that possibly Michael is the assigned angelic prince, you might say, and protector of the Jewish people. When you go through Scripture and you find what he did, it seems as though that was part of his, his job to do that. Therefore, because uh, before anyone can totally ex exterminate the Jewish people, they would have to eliminate Michael. Okay? Because his job is to protect them. He is the prince of that people to watch over them. Isn't it amazing how God has things set up? Uh, it's not just happen chance and something happens and God says, oh, I think we better do something about this. No, God knows what he's going to do. It's already set. We do not serve a God of confusion. We serve a righteous and holy God that, that can take care of any situation. So we have this battle in heaven and Satan is defeated. It's hard to imagine, really. You know, when you look at, at the battle that's going on in in the Ukraine and against Russia, and they keep talking about mobilizing. Russia keeps talking about mobilizing 300,000, 200,000, 150,000, and, and so forth, and the, and the battle going on back and forth. And this has been going on for, for over a year now, and going on two years, I guess now, pretty close to it. And all the different ones that have been killed, and the size of the battle that's going on there. It's hard to imagine if you've ever been to... Um, the, uh, uh, the, the World War I Museum in Kansas City. And if you've never been there, I really encourage you to go there and, uh, and look at what's taking place and, and see the numbers of the thousands upon thousands of people that fought in, that, in, in, the, in World War I and in World War II and that were killed. It just kind of explodes in your mind when you begin to look at all that stuff. But we have a heavenly war, a war in the heavens, atmospheric heavens, between the angels. We don't know exactly how many angels there are. But stop and think about this. You alone, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Bible talks about a heavenly host, which would be angels, encampeth round about you. Now it didn't say you had an angel that was by your side. But you have a heavenly host, so that would have to be more than one, that encampeth around about you. Let's say there's five. Five, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50. And we're just playing with numbers. We don't know. And so we don't know how many angels that there are in heaven. We don't understand. But this is no little battle that's going on up there. Um, it's thousands of angels that's involved. Jesus spoke of legions of angels. In Matthew chapter 26 and verse 53 says, Thinkest thou that I cannot pray to my Father, and he shall presently, now notice what he says, give me more than 12 legions of angels? But well, then you got to go back and you got to look at the time setting of this. When Rome had the armies and Rome called their 
armies or groups of armies, legions. The normal sized legion of a Roman army, just a typical, and many times it was more, was 6,000 soldiers. 6,000. Jesus is referred to, he said, it's no big deal. He said, I can call for 12 legions of angels. So 12 times 6,000. But he acted as though, if you look at that, he said, give me, uh, I, uh, he shall presently give me more. In, in Matthew chapter 26, verse 3, he says, and he shall presently give me more than 12 legions of angels. And so there's thousands upon thousands of angels. And we know that uh, a third of them was withdrawn uh, uh, by Satan, and, but there's still two-thirds of them in heaven. Still two-thirds of, of those angels in heaven, uh, the, however many there was. We don't know. And yet God uses these angels. There, some, uh, there's, there's certain ones, as we said, Michael and Gabriel, that are archangels, and they have different, they have different tasks. Some are messaging, uh, message-carrying angels and different things, but they all have the ability to, to do God's bidding. Let's put it that way. God can empower them to do anything he wants to. So this is no arm wrestling event. This is a major war that's going to take place. And it's fought between Michael and Satan, Lucifer, and then the, two, and the, two, and the groups of angels. And Satan loses, and he's cast to the earth. He is confined now. He can no longer go into the atmospheric heavens. He can no longer come before the throne of God. He can't just walk off here and there. He's confined to the earth for the next three and a half years. say, well, okay. What's the big deal about that? You stop and think about every angel he's got and Satan himself turned loose on this earth without restraint. Because the Bible says, he that will withholdeth is removed. And Satan is given freedom to do what he wants to here on earth. Not in the heavens anymore. Not in the atmosphere, but on the earth. You've already had all these different trumpets, the plagues from the seals, and all these things that have taken place. They're still, that's all lingering together. You had, you had the 200 million man army that's, that the Antichrist used. It's still around at that time. You see all these things coming together, and now Satan is confined he can no longer think that he can go to heaven and take over heaven. He knows now that his number or his days are short. He's at a point where he's going to throw his full wrath upon the earth. Everything he can come up with. You know, you've seen little bullies that sometimes they, they get into it and then they're going to get in trouble. And because they're going to get in trouble... Boy, they tear into anybody and everything they can because they already know they're going to be in trouble. I had a little boy on my bus today. I got on to him. Next thing I heard back here, I heard, Ooh, he's putting saliva on his hair. 
and he's using some language. This is, I'm talking about kindergarten, first, second grade. And I heard a word and I jumped on him about that. And he was already mad. I had him in the front seat. When he got off the bus at school, he was standing out there. Down in front of the bus. And he was waiting for those other two guys to get off. He said, what would you do? I said, hey, bud. He looked at me and gave me one of them looks. And finally he took off. Satan is a big bully. And now he can't get heaven. He knows now. He knows he's got three and a half years. He knows what's coming. And he's going to turn loose anything and everything he can on earth. Because he's confined here. He knows that the lake of fire is coming. He knows that the pit where he will be bound for a thousand years is coming. Look at verse 12. It says, And therefore rejoice ye heavens. Heaven's excited about it because he can't, they don't have to listen to him anymore. They don't have to listen to him coming and accusing. It says, And ye that dwell in, the, in them, woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil's come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. Verse 13 says, And when the dragon saw that he was cast out unto the earth, he persecuted the woman. Who do we say the woman was? The first one? Israel. Which brought forth the man-child. So this is Israel. That he comes, his whole intent is this. Yes, he wants to destroy anybody and everybody, but his whole thrust is he wants to destroy all of Israel. Why just all Israel? Because the prophecies say that they will not be destroyed. And so he's out to defeat the prophecies of that God has already set in place, if he can destroy all of Israel, there's no need for Jesus Christ to come back the second time. So he's doing everything he can. He's trying to destroy Israel. He's trying to destroy those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. While there's rejoicing in heaven over the defeat of Satan, his inability to enter heaven, there's a great feeling of woe to all the earth because Satan and his angels and demons are confined to the earth and they're about to pour out all their wrath because now that they know that their time's short. Notice that he's especially turns, as I said, his wrath towards, uh, toward and hoping to compete, completely wipe out Israel there. The Jews, but that would include also the saved. Okay, let's move on. There's always been that anti-Semitism. But during this time, listen to me, we know, we hear it, we see it today. The anti-Semitism against the Jews is very strong in the world today. It's getting stronger in the United States. It should not, but it is. And we see it around the world, the Muslims that hate them. You listen to, to the Palestinians, you listen to Iran, you listen to Iraq, you listen to Turkey, you listen to all these countries, and they hate Israel, and they want to destroy Israel. They, they want to wipe Israel completely off the map, off the face of the earth. They hate Israel. Can I tell you what? That's a walk in the park compared to what's going to happen. The hatred becomes so strong that there's so many 
not just the demons and not just the angel, fallen angels and Satan and the Antichrist and the, and the beast and the false prophet, but even those who, those who have rejected Jesus Christ will, and have taken the mark of the beast will, will seek out to kill and destroy any Jew that they can find. Well, the Jews have to, and the saved alike, have to flee. Look at verse 6 again, so we get back to it. The woman fled into the wilderness, where she hath a place prepared of God, that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and three score days. Notice that she fled into a wilderness, but it's a place that's been prepared by God. And notice that it says that, that, they, that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and three score days, otherwise three and a half years. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 14, notice it says, And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place, where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the face of the serpent. Some people have said, well, that she's given two wings as an eagle. There's actually been people that have tried to say that that's the United States Air Force. And it's not. There's a lot of people say, well, there's other nations that, that have the eagle and, and the wings and stuff like that in their military and so forth. And it's probably one of them that provide planes to fly them out of there. No, it's not. What it's talking about is God leading them out and protecting them, bringing them into this place that they might be preserved, that he might provide for them. Also spoken of in Matthew chapter 24. Verse 15 says, when ye, when ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, that comes at the midpoint of tribulation, three and a half years, spoken of Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth let him understand. Let them which be in Judah or Judea flee into the mountains. You say, well, preacher, I thought you said it was the wilderness. Here it says it's the mountains. Same thing. The mountains are, are, are a wilderness there in that part of the country. They are barren. Okay, they are a wilderness. Look, verse 17 says, Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house, neither let him which is in the field return to go back, take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child, and, and to them that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then shall a great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. So it talks about a actual mountains and, and wilderness, and they coincide together here. Both are a wilderness in Scripture. It alludes to uh, Basra. Basra, in Matthew chapter 24, verse 16, is where it's alluding to there, of yesteryear, which appears to be today's Petra, okay, which is in Jordan, okay, Jordan, Petra. Petra is a is a rock formation in the mountains that has been used as a, as a, a fortress. And it looks as though that they're led into that place so that they can defend it. Petra is a mountain fortress located uh, within what was once called Edom. Okay, you read about it in the Bible and about Edom and everything, which is, is where in, in Isaiah 63 points out will, will be the Messiah's return to rescue the faithful Jewish remnant. Okay, who's the remnant? That's the ones that, are, are, that will make it through this final three and a half years. Okay, 
They are in Petra. They're at this mountain, this rock mountain here in protection. Uh, throughout the tribulation, the unbelievers... Um, and Jesus Christ will die, but also there'll be many martyred for Christ that have put their faith in Jesus Christ. Didn't take the mark of the beast. There'll be many martyred. And so basically what you're going to have is you're going to have the faithful remnant, those who have trusted in Jesus Christ as their Savior, the Jewish people is what I'm talking about here. Based on all the passages involved, only one-third, only one-third of them will remain to be in Petra. The rest of them will be killed either because they didn't put their faith in Jesus Christ or because they were martyred for their stand for Jesus Christ and receiving Him as their Savior. And so we have this, this group that has gone to Petra. Satan, through his unholy trinity, sends out armies to try to kill uh, the children of God. But the Lord protects and provides, provides water. He provides food. Uh, for them in a the place of refuge. You can find that over in, in Isaiah 33, verses 13 through 16. And we already seen here where he said that he would, that, uh, that, uh, that he would provide for them, he would nourish them there. And verse 14 says, where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the face of the service. He said, well, preacher, how's that going to happen? Is people going to breathe? I honestly believe that God, I don't, I, we don't know exactly how God will do it, but God in the past we know has given them water out of a rock, give them manna from heaven, and he can do it again. Now, he may choose to do it a different way. I don't know. But what we do know, this is a barren place. It's a wilderness. Like they was when they was wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. But God will provide and nourish them during that three and a half years, that last three and a half years. God will provide somehow. And he will protect them in that place. It is quite a fortress. I've seen some pictures of it. It's, un, it's unreal. It's quite a fortress. And they will be in this place uh, for the, the entirety of that last three and a half years. And Satan will send out his armies trying to destroy them. Trying to find them, hunting them down, doing everything that he can. But the different things in this world, I believe it it's talks about the floods will be swallowed up. Talk about the armies will be swallowed up. I believe that God will do like he's done in the past. That he will just destroy those armies as they came. Maybe a, a, a huge hailstorm with, with lightning and everything. Or maybe uh, we don't know what it might be. I mean, he does that in Ezekiel 38, 39. As they come in on the mountains, all those armies come on the mountains. God just destroys them. And so God protects them during this time. And and uh, it provides food and protection for them. In verse 16, well, let me go on down here. In Revelation 15, or Revelation 12, verse 15 says, And the serpent cast out his mouth water as a flood. That's what I was talking about after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. The earth helped the woman, and the earth opened up her mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon cast out of his mouth. But during this period of time, we have read about different earthquakes. Who knows? The earth may open up and swallow up those armies because the earthquakes. We don't know. Verse 17 says, And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which kept the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. And so we have this mighty war that's going to take place in the heavens. But it brings about some ramifications to everyone that's on earth, that's remaining on earth, especially the Jewish people who have receive Jesus Christ as Savior, who believe that He is the Messiah, and those who have put their faith in Je Jesus Christ, whether they be Gentile or Jew. Well, 
That's all good information. But how does it apply to us? What can we get from this? As I've said each time, there's, you know, it's good to have information and to see what's going to be taking place. But everything that God gives to us, there is the interpretation, but there is also the application. And we need to learn something from it every time we open the Scripture. And I begin to think about, well, how do we apply this? And there's many ways you could apply it. But one of the things I thought about was Satan will do anything and everything he can to stop you from living for the Lord and being a witness even now. Even right now. You see, Satan is not confined to heaven. He's, he's free and he's not confined anywhere. And so Satan and his demons are about trying to, to get you to fall. Notice he's a deceiver. He's an accuser. He's a, he's a serpent. He, and on goes the list of names that's spoken of there. I believe it's in, in verse 10, 9 or 10. And it talks about all, it calls him different names. And he's out to stop every single person. He's out to stop, first of all, keep you from getting saved. Then he's out to stop you from being a witness and a testimony for Jesus Christ. He's out to stop you from living for the Lord in such a way that brings honor and glory to God. He wants to stop you. He wants you to fall out of church. He wants you to quit reading your Bible. He wants you to quit you, get you to quit praying. He wants you to follow the ways of the world. He wants you out in sin. He wants you to destroy the testimony of God. Hey, listen, if Satan can get you out and get you into sin, what he's trying to do is trying to destroy the testimony of Jesus Christ. Well, if that's a Christian, I don't need it. And that's what he's trying to do. So as we look at that, you say, well, preacher, you've talked about all that he's able to do. He's going up and fighting against the angels and all that. But how can we stand against him? Well, you understand when you walk with the Lord, Satan's already a defeated foe. Amen. There's something that you need to learn and I need to learn. I'm not talking about name it, claim it stuff. I'm talking about you've got to realize who you are in Jesus Christ. First of all, you are to represent him. You are an ambassador for Christ. That's why I'm talking about that you need to live for him and not live for the, like the world and act like the world and talk like the world and dress like the world and do what the world does. But you're to be an ambassador representing Jesus Christ. But also remember that within you, if you know Jesus Christ, you're saved. The Holy Spirit of God dwells within you. What know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own? For you've been bought with a price. He goes on and says, Therefore glorify God in your body and spirit, which are God's. And so we're to, to live for Him. But many times Christians act as though they can't get up. And they're just beat down and they can't get past this and they can't get past that. Well, Satan's the one that's beating you down. Satan is the one that's trying to hold you down. Satan is the one that's trying to hold you back. And 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, he says, Ye are of God, little children... And have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Do you realize who you have in you tonight? Do you realize that God himself dwells within the born again Christian? Amen. And man, we better realize because of that, we have the hand of God. To guide us, directs the Holy Spirit of God guides us and directs us, but we have the hand of God. We can have the power of God, the presence of God, the protection of God, the, the, the moving of God's Spirit in our lives and around us. We've got to stop and realize, hey, God lives within me. I don't have to put up with this stuff. 
Romans chapter 8, verse 37. He said, Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. He said, You're not just winners. He said, You're more than that. So we're more than conquerors through Him that loved us. It's through the Lord. It's not through your power, not through your ability. Can I tell you, every person in this room, you're going to mess up. You're going to stumble. You're going to sin. But greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world. And He's the one that's going to help you. He's the one that's going to pick you up. It's Jesus Christ. He said, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him. Through what? Through your strength? No. Through your abilities? No. Through Him that loved us. He says, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels. Why did He put that there? Because there's a third of them got pulled out of heaven that's going to try to attack you. Nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'll tell you what, every person, I'll take Romans chapter 8, verse 37 through 39. You ought to memorize that. And you ought to keep that on your mind. Because we have a powerful God. And I'm not, and you say, well, preacher, if he lives with me and all that, how come I'm having trouble? Because you're not walking with him. It's like this. I can get it, and I, you know, I can go out there and get my truck. And I can turn it on. And I can put it in gear and I can just sit there, put my foot on the gas. And if I don't take a hold of it and do something with it, it's going to run into something. The problem is God saved you. He gave you a life. He gave you a will. He gave you eternal life. He says, now I want you to do something with it. But he says, I want to be the one that's driving it. And you've got to let him drive it. And you've got to live for him. And you got to want to live for Him. you got to decide in your heart and mind, hey, listen, I don't want what the world's got for me. I don't want what Satan's got for me. I don't want what this world has. I want what Jesus Christ has for me. Amen. And decide in your heart and mind finally that, hey, listen, it's more important for me to live for Christ than to have a million dollars in the bank. It's more important for me to live for Christ than to be the most popular person in the, in the school. It's more important for me to live for Christ than to, to wear the latest fashions and, and the revealing fads and, and all the short things and, that shows the body that God's not pleased with. Hey, listen, we need to live for Jesus Christ. Not for the flesh, not for the lust, not for the desires, not for the, 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 our peer pressure and all that's in the world today. We need to live so that God's pleased with us. And then He will guide and then He will direct your life. You'll be more than a conqueror through him. So I said, Satan will try to stop you. But my friend, we've already won. There's a song that um, Bennett, what was his first name? Roger Bennett wrote. He used to play the piano for the cathedrals. And the title of the song is, I read the back of the book and we win. I read the back of the book and we win. Can I tell you something? If you get in the front of the book and all through the book, 
you'll see we win. We're more than conquerors. Let's bow. Father, I thank you for loving us. Thank you for the mercies of God. Thank you, Lord, for the Word of God. And Lord, the Spirit of God that dwells within us, help us, Lord, to live for you. Lord, we see all that's coming. Lord, I praise your name for the rapture of the church so that we don't have to go through that, so that we don't have to face that. I thank you, Lord, for that rapture. Lord, you pull us out of here. Pre-wrath, Lord, you said that you'd pull us away. Lord, because we put our faith and trust in you, Lord, I pray that you just help us to live for you now. To be that witness, to get the gospel out, see souls saved, see lives changed. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy and goodness. Lord, we are more conquerors through you, but help us to realize it and help us to live like it. For this we ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand?